right, part number two of the Easter series of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Welcome welcome back, maybe from just a few seconds ago, if you're binging these. If you're binging these, hats off to you. Because that's true. There's a lot. There's a lot to cover. They're heavy, especially this one. But at the same time, you're like, if I can sit through a film about it Mm. and watch it, then you, you know, finding out maybe some of the context so that you you know how to go through these resurrection eggs with your kids. If you are new to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, first of all, welcome. Second of all, you might want to at least go back one episode to the first part of the Easter series. Uh, in general, though, this is a special series. In general, we talk about what we're going through in our quiet times. Mm-hmm. It's an out loud version of that. Uh, but this is part number two of walking through these resurrection eggs, which you could make or buy. And they're very festive, colorful, like Easter eggs, plastic. You open them up. And there is something, there's a little symbol in there that signifies part of the the real Easter story about Jesus. Yes. I mean, the the first egg we opened was an adorable little plastic donkey. Yeah. Yeah. And he rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey. It, that's fantastic. So it starts out real cute. Mm-hmm. And then you start opening the eggs and you start realizing the heaviness of the symbolism. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's today's, this is. Starting very heavy. <laughs> it's. <laughs> The cat of nine tails. So that is uh, a a whip like thing that mm-hmm. has glass and rock and 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 I, I, they've described it before. I can't yeah, remember all that's in it. Bits of bone. Yeah. Uh, pieces of metal, anything they could find that was sharp. And there, obviously, it's called the cat of nine tails. So it would be nine leather straps with all of these sharp things. Uh, yeah, tied to the ends of the straps. And what it was meant to do. The Romans were so brilliant with war and strategy, but also with torture. Yeah. And they knew how to get you right up into the last bit of life before they took it. And so they knew how to extend the torture, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's like most of us would think, especially even after watching The Passion of the Christ, and perhaps you haven't watched it, I I completely understand if you haven't because it is quite graphic, but um, you're like, how did he not pass away? Mm-hmm from just being whipped. They knew what they were doing to make it hurt the most without killing you. So, um, but it it worked like Velcro is a terrible way of saying it, but I mean, that gives you an image. It Mm. would latch itself to human flesh and then rip away. And so after he is found in the garden of Gethsemane by the soldiers. That that was the last egg that we opened on the last one. Yeah. And he wasn't hiding. No. He was, he'd been out in the open all week long preaching in the temple and in Jerusalem and they didn't come. They didn't go get him there. Exactly. And they are brought in by some of the temple guards uh, and, and others, 600 up to 600 is the translation from the Greek that we can guesstimate being there in the garden to come get him. And uh, there's this weird thing that takes place. I mean, it wasn't just like, Hey, they took straight from the garden to go get him whipped. They had to set up like this, this farce. Mm hmm. Um, it's like, okay, so they knew the council, which was made up of Sanhedrin and, uh, that, that was Sadducees and Pharisees. And I say that like, you know who they are. Those are the teachers of the day. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know who they are, that's fine. But they were the ones who were kind of in charge of all things church. It's very interesting about getting into how it worked. Rome was in truly in charge and but mm-hmm. they designated people to yeah. govern over in this area the Jewish people. Well, yeah, I'll put it in quotes. <laughs> They're in charge as right. long as they, you know, submit to the to, authority to Rome. of Rome. And so, so then you have the the leader, mm-hmm. um, the leaders 
that want to make the people happy. Yeah. And you have these influencers of the teachers of the day that are highly respected within the the culture. Yeah. That obviously uh, they influence the leader to influence the leaders. And so you have mm-hmm. these Jewish leaders that are offended by Jesus. Yeah. And Ro- the, the leader there wanting to just keep the peace. So they want to just as much as possible kind of play both sides of the coin and make everybody happy. And so they decided from the beginning they wanted to take Jesus out. And they came up with a plan and they got a couple witnesses, as by the law was stated, you had to have two witnesses against you. Otherwise, it's it's not going to stick mm-hmm. in, in the quote, court of law. And uh, they accused him of saying, well, you are blasphemous because you believe that you're the son of God. These guys said that you said that and they here they come forward and they say, yes, we heard him say that. And they asked Jesus and Jesus is just real bold and says, I am. You know, um, and then that's I mean, they, they'd already taken him away. So you can imagine what the soldiers did on the way from the garden to this arena of naysayers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the, the inner courts of the Sanhedrin. And uh, Peter and John had followed Jesus. They were the only two. The rest of the disciples scattered. And Peter stayed in the outer courts, whereas John knew somebody, so he got in closer and he was able to kind of witness this. This is why we have this information. Um, but yeah, they they were hitting him. Um, even I, I would assume that it got so bad with the hitting, whether his eyes had swollen or blood was in his face, but they were telling him to prophesy as to who hit you. And they're just mocking him. It was mm. just a horrible scene. And he was silent, you know, before the, the, there's another prophecy fulfilled. As the sheep before his shears, you know, here is the lamb of God and he's silent before his accusers. But they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to take his life. I mean, it's about to be Passover and um, they want him to be crucified. So they have to come up with this scheme and they take him to Pontius Pilate and Pilate's like, no, this isn't my jurisdiction. Pontius Pilate probably didn't even want to really be there. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a... Oh, the job that the last on the totem pole here are all these super religious people, the, the Jewish people, you have to keep them in line. As long as they're happy, you're pretty much going to have order with the Jewish people. Right, okay. Right. So placating them was maybe his job and maybe even looked at as a demotion. Um, but he's like, this isn't my jurisdiction. This is Herod because this is a blasphemy thing. This is, it's not against Rome. So he sends them off to another, put him in quotes, leader in the community. He wasn't a leader. He just wanted a show. Herod is the king. And when Jesus won't give him a show, he won't perform any miracles. He sends him back to Pilate. And that is when the cat of nine tails makes its appearance. Hmm. So Pilate has him whipped. And we were talking lash upon lash upon lash. Um, I think there was a set amount of lashes that they were allowed to give in Jewish law even. Otherwise, they would come within moments of breath of life ending. You know, And so... It would have been ugly. It would have been really, really a bloodbath, for lack of a better term. Mm. And let's get to the next egg, which is another heavy symbol. But I call it a symbol. It really happened. Yeah, a crown of thorns. So that is what, I mean, that's, you know, Obviously, pain because mm-hmm. the they smashed that down on his head. Yeah. But the mockery of that too. Of, yeah, you're the king of the Jews. Right. Yeah. Which is why they were like, "No, Pilate, this is really your jurisdiction after all," because he's saying this against Rome, and, and now 
And now the council who's never really cared about Rome is pretending to care. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's Jesus is speaking against Rome. Right. So right. that they have something that sticks. And uh, the Roman soldiers are only too happy to comply. They know what to do to hurt somebody. And yeah. they, I mean, they've got nothing better to do than to make fun of the situation. I mean, they've been, that's all these particular soldiers, I think, did. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact, but I would imagine they got used to it, even if it wasn't all they did was killing people. Yeah. Or hurting them, but keeping keeping the order, I think they got their jollies doing stuff like this. And, uh, you know, they'd already whipped him, and then they mocked him by putting this uh, robe on him. It was a scarlet color, which represented royalty, not to obviously esteem him, but to mock him. And that would have been the worst, because over open wounds, that dries, and you rip that off, and mm. the pain, right? So he has this crown of thorns put on his head that they fashioned out of if you've been to israel i have yet to go i'm really excited one day i will go but there are bushes along the way that um your tour guide may even point to and say this could have been like the thorn bushes of the times where the roman soldiers fashioned a crown and these things are thick yeah yeah big old like needle looking thorns not rose thorns it just awful and so that's slammed down on your head. And I, I think about the the pressure. He, he I, I think I shared this in last Easter's podcast. Um, yes, I did. It was about, you know, just imagining the headache you get after you've had a good cry. So not only has he been awake all this time, but he's cried to the point of having blood come out of his pores mm-hmm. and sweat blood. And he's in tremendous pain-filled agony, not just of spirit and and mind, but now of body. And he's barely just standing upright when Pontius Pilate again inquires, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says nothing. And Pontius Pilate says, dude, you know I can kill you, right? And that's when Jesus chooses to speak up, and he weighs everything that he says in this time because he's staying on track. He knows what he's going to do. Nothing's going to get him off of the focal point, which is I'm going to redeem the world. But when he says stuff, write it down because it's important. Mm -hmm. And he looks at Pontius Pilate and says, you would not have this authority if it was not given to you from above. And I don't know about Pontius Pilate, but if it was me and I was not expecting, like, here's this trash thrown into my courtroom. I have to deal with this stuff again. And this guy says something that profound. Mm Mm-hmm. That would take me aback. Yeah. And Pontius Pilate's wife got a message to him, don't mess with this guy. So Pilate tries to get Jesus out of it. And it's Passover. We have this tradition. Uh, we can let one of the prisoners go. There's this guy who's a murderer named Barabbas. Um, or Jesus, who's done nothing wrong. We've already, we've already disciplined Jesus. He's probably not going to be talking much after this. Who do you want? And the crowd yells for crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and one thing to look forward to in that, uh, or look to as an example in that is obviously we're not called to the same thing, uh, which is, uh, when you talk about him not getting off track because he was going to redeem the world, well, we're not going to redeem the world. Uh, but we do have something to stay on track about and that's make disciples of all nations. That's yeah. to love our neighbor. That's to, uh, 
Um, you know, if, if we love Jesus, follow his commandments. And man, don't we get off track with, um, <laughs> with the littlest things. traffic, uh, <laughs> contentious family, politics, uh, you know, not getting our coffee order right. Wow. To, again, Jesus is perfect and Jesus is God, but still what an example to look to that he did not let that get him off track. He didn't snap at anybody. He didn't uh, treat anybody unjustly. Yeah. He even refrained from speaking at certain times. I don't want to let me off the hook with, well, and granted, Jesus was perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't want to let myself off the hook with that because his spirit is in me. It's an example to look to and to live live by. And I think, I think, personally, with the big stuff, I do better with staying on track. It's the little stuff that gets you? The little stuff with yeah. staying on track. And maybe I do pretty good consciously making that effort all throughout the day until like the end of the day. And then I just let loose right. and get angry and sin in that anger or whatever So it is. what you don't know about Rochelle is she turns <laughs> green at the end of the night. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. She, she goes through wardrobes all the time. <laughs> Uh, no, that is honestly is a good thing to keep in mind. Um, but so here we are, Mm. uh, this is now two eggs open in the middle of this, uh, three more to go in, in this particular episode of walking through the heaviness. Uh, and the next one I believe is, is the biggest of all of them. It's the symbol of our faith. It's the cross. And this one is fashioned, um, from nails, um, just to make it that much more. I guess symbolic is the right way to say it. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, after he is whipped beyond recognition, and now the thorns have done their best to cover his visage with blood, um, he's then forced to go down this cramped road, which, I mean, he's still there today. It's it's called, um, I, I remember this song from Sandy Patty when I was a kid, and I know I'm dating myself, but the Via de la the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, this path that led from one place to the end. And that was for everybody that would go through this. Is that, I mean, that road was used a long time. I believe so. At least I've seen it depicted that the thieves that were hung on the cross next to Jesus, they had to walk that same path. And mm-hmm. they were forced to carry the beams that they would be nailed to. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, there's just no way. He couldn't do that. He is beyond exhausted. And he is not, he's not in any state to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, I, I also want to kind of connect this to uh, the physical pain of the coronavirus. Cause I think there, there's something that happens if you have, if you've been there with COVID and we've certainly seen this tremendous need for ventilators across the globe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Jesus is taken to Calvary. He doesn't get there by himself. There's a man named Simon of Cyrene who comes in and helps with the cross because he's forced to, but gladly um, helps. He's a good uh, man who's there actually to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem to praise the Lord. And so he sees this desperate situation and the Roman soldiers force him to carry this man's cross because Jesus can't do it. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. just not, he can't. So he picks up this heavy beam and he carries it for the savior of the world and um, that must have changed him afterwards. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure he asked, like, if it was you or I, and we come upon an accident or a scene, I want to follow up. Like what happened? True. Yeah. Who was this person? How are they doing? You know? So I know that he had to have been impacted by that. Had to have been. 
And if you are a, a person who is Catholic, raised in the Catholic Church, there are the stages of the cross. There are different uh, depictions at these stages of people who may have stopped along the way and helped Jesus. It's just a, a, a precious thought to think of a, a young woman who would give water to our Savior. You know, we don't know if that actually took place, but he is now on the hill. He's being nailed to the cross, one nail in each hand. To the wood, there may have been ropes to keep his arms in place. Mm. Um, we're not one hundred percent certain. I mean, some scholars have said, "Oh, we know for a without a shadow of a doubt," uh, because we we've seen excavated bones where you know that the person was crucified, where the nail was, I believe, in the wrist. Mm. But they also have it in the hand. So I mean, it, it could go. It could have gone either way. The point is, it hurt. Yeah, and then both feet placed one over the other, uh, nailed down to a little bit of a pedestal. And that was so that, I mean, they they would catch their breath. And that's where I'm thinking about those who have been struggling to breathe, even in the midst of COVID, and just get that breath. Every breath is a struggle. You actually died of suffocation, yeah. correct? Not, not uh, bleeding. Exactly. And so, I mean, my word, especially if you dealt with that then you have a little bit of a picture there. Mm. And the point of being, I mean, you with each excruciating attempt to stand on that tiny platform, because again, you're, nail, you're nailed to it, to step up to try to get your breath, but then to automate, I mean, come down again, which would further rip the nails in your hands or wrists. Um, I don't know if they took his crown off. Maybe they didn't. They put the sign up there, though, continuing the mocking, mm -hmm. king mm -hmm. of the Jews. Uh, and it was written in, in three different languages, one so that everybody would be able to read it hmm. and join in if they wanted to, which made the Sanhedrin upset because that's, well, he's not our king. Hmm. That's the reason why we told you you should get him in the first place. He claimed to be the son of God. I, something I never really thought about, I, I've, certain things I've had in my mind because of our Easter pageant, uh, you know, back growing up at, at our church, we did one every spring. And uh, I just always imagine a big crowd we know there were some people in in a crowd. Certainly, you know, he talks to uh, yeah. people, you know, while he's up on the cross. Yeah. You know, obviously, the Roman guards were there. And then do we know how big of a crowd would have been there and how many extra people besides the people that that knew Jesus or were witnesses as uh, that needed to be there legally or whatever? I, that's a great question. I don't know how many generally would. Like common folk, would they gather just... around? I mean, it's interesting that down throughout history— I sad to think about it, but death. If it would like happen today, like there wouldn't be a public situation. Even today, when when people are on death row, you have to be invited into yeah. that. It's 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 family, it's media, or it's public officials. But I mean, you look at even through the centuries of parts of people being posted up on poles. Yeah, and that's true. That's true. Horrible things. I, I would, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to live during that time. Crucifixion was certainly something that happened a lot and even had lined the roads. The crosses had lined the roads. Hmm. So whether they knew him or, hey, I was in the crowd even just a week ago welcoming him in, what is going on? I think they would have, it would have been mixed reaction. And so I, I personally, I would have wanted to turn away. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted yeah. to be there, maybe. 
Right. But uh, then there were those certainly who followed him that were brave enough to be right there. And it was the the women in his life. And John mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. We know that much because he spoke to John and Mary from the cross. Something I found fascinating the other day was I was listening to something that uh, people actually questioned whether Jesus uh, had actual brothers and sisters or not, because uh, they uh, they point to this where he says to John, this is your mother now. So indicating that that Jesus maybe didn't actually have any other siblings and that Mary remained a virgin. So what um, do they do with the this? passages that mention uh, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Yeah, I know. I know. It's quite quite fascinating. And the other sisters. But there's certainly proof to show <laughs> right. that he did. Yeah. So. And, and apparently they had a relationship after Jesus made it so. And said, look to this as your son. Uh-huh. I think he was just kind of passing this along. John was a very sensitive person. They they had obviously they knew Mary. Uh after three years of ministry, they're in and out of each other's homes and places and And we're we're also led to believe with this that uh Joseph, Jesus's earthly father, had probably passed on at yes. this point. There's certainly no mention of him at this time. Yes. I mean so we don't and these are things that'll be fascinating when we get to heaven. Thank God it's eternal. Because yeah. we're gonna have a lot of questions for him. <laughs> we're like, tell me again. And you kind of wonder, do you just know everything when you get to heaven? Because that may not be as fun. You know, <laughs> maybe it's a, we get the well, time to go explore and ask yeah, people. I think in part we're going to we're going to have things revealed to us. And maybe maybe it is right away. But at the same time, I mean, do, I love to have a good story retold. Yeah. Yeah. So tell well, me again. Oh yeah. So just tell me again. That's true. Uh, that'd be really yeah. great. But I want to hear I want to hear from your perspective this time. Though. Right. Right. Uh, this one. Eh, this is the epic story. This is this is the separation of BC and AD. I mean, this is like there was before Jesus and mm-hmm. now after his death, the cross is the center. Yeah. So um, it all came up to this point. Things were spoken on the cross, things that are encouraging. Um, I, I love to encourage you because I think we get into further detail about that in other podcasts, but just going over those those things that Jesus said on and from the cross, a lot of them, Carter, uh, from the Psalms. So when he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? That's from Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he says, uh, into your hands I commit my spirit, that's from the Psalms. Um, then he speaks to the thief on the cross who, I mean, this one guy's like, hey, get us both down from here if you're really the son of God. And he's now he's joining in the mockery of the crowd. And the other guy's like, Leave him alone. We we deserve to be here. He didn't do anything. And then he is so bold to ask Jesus, don't forget me when you get to paradise. And Jesus receives him. And yeah. that, I mean, that is an unbelievable story right then and there. I want to meet that thief. I want to talk about how God got you at the last second. Yeah. <laughs> what encouragement for somebody that you're waiting on. Yeah. That, you know, you're praying, you've been praying for for life. Uh, while we're on, uh, obviously, the, the most important symbol of certainly this episode, mm-hmm. uh, the cross, we covered it a little bit last episode uh, in with the garden. But uh, I've been talking to people of a faith that, that think the atonement happened in the garden mm-hmm. and the cross is so key. I want to get into a little bit of this, that uh, that veil. So the, the temple mm-hmm. was like the major place that God spoke to people. Only the high priest could go in there and the, the God would talk to, to them and he would accept the sacrifice and all that. So there is this uh, 60 foot, four inch thick veil yeah. 
that uh, separated the regular temple from the holiest of holy places. And Jesus said the words on the cross, it is finished. Mm-hmm. And it was then that, you know, the earthquake and all that. And, and that veil tore in half. Yes. And so clearly this is an indication that we are all now through faith able to go directly to God. Well, directly to go, especially to Jesus. It talks about how he's the mediator. Mm-hmm. He is the high priest. And so you you look at the significance of that. And before it was only, you know, I give my sacrifice to the priest and then the priest makes a sacrifice and the priest has got to, you know, wash himself. And the high priest is the one that actually goes. There's all this process and mediators. And now there is one mediator and it is Jesus because you have that mm-hmm. correlation of it is finished on the cross and then that veil tears. Yeah. And it is just so, you know, why did it have to happen? It can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to, but we're guilty. We couldn't pay the price. Somebody the perfect had to pay the price. Yeah. The price was paid on the cross. Yeah. The, the whole scene. I, I think about those moments. Those are the powerful. Those are the, if I was a Hollywood director, I want to make sure I capture this right moment. Yeah. But I will tell you, from noon to 3 o'clock, which that's the time guesstimated that he was on the cross, um, he only said, I think, a handful of things, like seven things. Mm. One of them, I thirst. Not crazy profound. Mm -hmm. He was thirsty. Um, It was not a pretty thing. The cross gets so prettified in society. And I just, it's a good reminder to me. There's nothing wrong with wearing a cross on your necklace. Uh, but this was a Roman torture device. That's true. That's true. And so to, it's, a, it's a symbol for us in many ways, though, to remember what Jesus did. And that's why we wear a cross of gold. That's why I had for a long time until I, I lost my favorite one. Oh. Uh, yeah. But that's, that's why we wear it, to remind us. But it itself is not. The thing that should be glorified, what he right. did for us there, yeah. is what's to be glorified. That's true. Uh, the veil represented the separation between man and uh, being able to talk to God. That is what was torn in half. And without a doubt, it was not a man tearing this thing. I mean, if you've ever ripped cloth, uh, you have to get the you know along the bias. You you can rip the cloth pretty easy mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, that wasn't a thing with a four inch thick. Veil. And something 60 feet in the air. And it started from the top and went to the bottom. That's yeah. where the rip started was from the top to the bottom. Um, that didn't happen, though, until after he passed. And there was something that oh, next takes act. place while he's on the cross. Like, it, as if he's not humiliated enough. These are... Dice. So there was the gambling for his his tunic. This was a beautiful piece of woven fabric that was like, have you seen the infinity scarves that women wear? Uh, I'm sure I have. Okay, so it's like this big loop circle thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay well, and usually it does have a seam, but um, this one didn't. Like, they wove it in such a way it was one continuous, like, infinite circle. Wow. Which in and of itself feels symbolic, but it would have been very nice and uh it wasn't a cheap garment and so they're like you know instead of ripping this between us let's play for it which was uh another fulfilling of prophecy i was gonna say this was uh this was talked about in the old testament yeah um i believe in the psalms a lot of the words spoken in the psalms yeah uh, prophetically about what jesus would go through and so all of that to say 
the Roman soldiers paid a big part in this, right? And it's it's right after that earthquake that you talked about. It's right after the veil being torn. It's when the storm comes because the sky turns black. One of those soldiers, the leader of them, says something that, I mean, you could only have it revealed by heaven to you. Mm. And he's like, this guy must have been the son of God. There's too many coincidental things happening all at once right now. And he's dead. How? How does somebody that corrupt go there? But then how are the other guys blind enough to not see it? Mm. And there's so many questions. And, and you know, there's two things here. One I was thinking about earlier when we were talking about the crown of thorns. I don't envy those guys right now. A lot of those guys. I don't envy mm. them right now. I can't even imagine. Um, but then clearly this is an example that you're never too far gone. Mm. A, a biblical yeah. mention uh, in a very positive light that clearly this guy became a believer right then. Could he have been the first Gentile convert after the death of Jesus? That's an interesting point. Now, uh, granted, the Romans believed in a, a lot of different deities. So whether or not he specifically was thinking of one in his mind or he's thinking there is something here I don't understand. He right. said the words loud enough for people to hear. Yeah, that's true. We have a record of it, so that's true. And to give that kind of honor in statement to someone that you just had overseen the mutilation of, it it really does intrigue you, doesn't it, to hmm. go, what was his story post this moment? Yeah. Um, and the last egg for this series. Uh, yes, this is there, the... there's the order that's given. You see this tiny little... Oh, it's a spear. Yeah, I, oh. it's less intimidating than uh, I'm sure what it actually was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as we were sharing earlier, the the little pedestal for you to be able to push up on with your legs to try to capture that breath, sometimes it could take, some folks, after they were crucified, it could take days for them to die. Mm. And so they would keep pushing up and just giving them a little bit of a moment here and there. And if you broke the legs, then clearly they would die much quicker because you would you would suffocate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so the the soldiers were given orders when the sky went black, we're going inside. Something's going on here. Let's let's get them down. So they break the legs of the two thieves so that they will pass away quickly. But when they saw that Jesus had already died, he had said those words. It is finished. It is accomplished. It's done. Um, and then, you know, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's gone. Whew. So they take this spear and they said, just make sure they knew, I guess, where to put the spear. At first, when I was a little kid, it's just like, that's random. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just poked him like like you like like you'd poke a dog to see if it's awake. Mm -hmm. mm. Are you awake? I mean, because that's honestly, I feel like how they felt of the, the Jewish people, dogs, you know. Um, but I don't think it was that because the blood and water that came out from where they they cut him in the side indicated uh, there like Lee Strobel went on with the case for Christ to say that that blood, that water, that is a medical in indication in the lungs or whatever that he would have indeed been dead. Hmm. Okay. He wasn't sort of, maybe he still was alive because people have ventured to guess maybe he wasn't dead. That's why 500 accounts of him being seen after the crucifixion were a thing. Maybe he really didn't die, but no, this was an indicator. He died on that cross for you and me. And you have multiple other 
fulfilled prophecies there. Mm. That his bones wouldn't be broken. Yes, not a bone was broken. So interestingly, they typically did that. And the other two guys did have their legs broken. Right. Uh, he did not. And then the spear itself, the the this this blood and water was a prophecy as well. It's it's fascinating. I kind of I don't know if if other scholars would make this connection. Maybe they do. That in Ezekiel he has this vision of the temple and water flowing out, hmm. as opposed to you have to come to the temple to be blessed. Jesus even tells the woman at the well, "I am living water. I, I, I you will never thirst again." And so now it's coming out from him flowing from him, not only blood, which will cover us, just like we talked about in the podcast, the former one about the Passover, but the symbolism of the water coming out, just like Ezekiel saw from the temple. Um, That's for you and for me, shed for you and for me. And so all of these things, when you see them connected, I'm glad that we have that symbolism to, and it makes it that much more powerful. But also when people ask the questions of what's the deal with this, you can really get into it and go, see, it wasn't willy nilly. He didn't sort of fulfill this. He was, he met these things head on. They were spoken so that he could make them good. So we have five that we walked through with the crucifixion. And, you know, with the way there, even our uh, our voices and our body language, we know we're about to get to the good stuff, baby. <laughs> uh, so uh, part three uh, will be next. And uh, uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be awesome. Um, keep in mind, if you want to walk through the Easter timeline, you can text the word Easter to 893-893. If you're uh, listening to this early in Holy Week, 893-893, just text the word Easter. I don't mind your spoiler alert there. It's going to be great. I don't mind. It's going to be baby. 